Cross the Streams Podcast. Cross the Streams Podcast. Kip and Kane. Season 4 is here. New content in all our favorite segments like Listen Up, Hometown Heroes, Useless Full Information, Calling Men In, and many more. The Ion Brothers are back, everybody. Cross the Streams podcast, coming back, Kip and Kane, a huge array of guests this time, uh, heavy topics, we want to make sure we put out to everybody that's going to be joining us and listening us to this conversation, uh, we're going to dive into some stuff similar to our last episode, a lot of conversations of race and justice and things that could be triggering to folks out there, we're giving you the warning now to not proceed with us if you don't want to get heavy and deep with where we're going, um, we're lucky to have our cousins are joining us all the way from LA, I'm going to give them a chance to introduce themselves one at a time here in a minute. Kane John, you should probably introduce who's joining you in person for the first time on the pod to begin things. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, for everyone out there, we've talked about having her on here multiple times. We've attempted to multiple times. We've failed miserably multiple times. But tonight, fortunately, we we're able to figure out the schedule, get both kids down in a timely fashion. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully my voice doesn't wake them up. I have a tendency to do that as I get on these pods, but, uh, with us tonight, first time only, not the last. <laughs> Did that make any sense? I just, no, none. That made no sense at all. No. <laughs> we can edit that. We can edit that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, for the first time, my lovely, beautiful wife, Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the <laughs> Carrie Ruth. I know. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Carrie, real Center, talk. Centerville, Montana. Centerville, Montana. That's impressive. Go. Carrie, real talk. Is it is it far too long overdue or were you avoiding us? You know, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Okay. Somewhere in the middle. Fair, I like, you know, rather sit back, kind of soak it in. Decide, you know, when it's time to hop in. I mean, it's only the 105th episode. It's fine. It's fine. We got hopefully. <laughs> no, like it was the right time. Yeah. The time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Carrie. And now let's switch all the way to LA. Uh, our beautiful cousins, all these young ladies are here to join us and lend their knowledge to the space on what we're going to discuss today. I want to let them introduce themselves to everybody out there. Kira, you're a returner. So maybe you I should go first. Know. You are a returning oh. guest. But Court on SoundCloud, Court, you're still in the top group of our most listen of our most listened listeners. <laughs> so you guys fight about it and then go around the circle, so to speak, and, and introduce yourselves to everybody listening tonight. Okay, um, I, I'm Kira Miwane. As Kip said, I've been here before, so uh, if you have listened to that episode, that was me back then. <laughs> <laughs> How many years ago was that? I think that was season two, right? It was season two, and you were also the voice of the intro and outros for all of season three. So we thank oh, you for yeah. that as well. And I and I heard that uh, Jeremy's beat is still is still it's in still there. part of it from what we sent to Fiverr. So you guys have a lot to say about this. And as David says, we should have just let your song rock half the episodes and not <laughs> talked ourselves. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad to be back. I feel uh, since the last time I spoke to you, I feel like I'm absolutely in an entirely different. Um, I'm I'm a different person and I'm in a different life, and so I'm glad to be here. Thank and we will catch up on all that. Court. Yep, I'm Court. That's uh, that's me. Second <laughs> <laughs> oldest, uh, obviously one of the top listeners of the podcast. So just 
to be part of it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm Kay, aka Kay John. May hear the name Kaylee, also me. Um, all <laughs> are acceptable here. Um, and, uh, that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Calais and the oldest. Oh, we're we doing ranks. Oh, oh, oh. ranks. Oh, oh, we're not putting oh, values oh, on the ranks. Kay was the Kay is the youngest. So we are super excited that our, our cousins reached out to us after we put out the Montana Race and Sports episode last week, uh, where Kay and I were lucky enough to get a bunch of my teammates and our friends from growing up in Montana discuss about, you know, everything that's going on in the world and how it's played out in our lives, their lives. And uh, our cousins are, are here to lend expertise and their own stories to, to how they've experienced a lot of the things that... Kane and I discussed, but also a lot of differences, you know, despite the fact that uh, our fathers are brothers and both our parents are, or both our moms are white, their experiences are d differ in what Kane and I experienced. And I'm excited to give them space to share and all of us go down, um, you know, different avenues and discussion points that, that we, that come up. So let's start there, ladies, the similarities, right? I mean, all growing up, you know, we would see you guys, what, once a year, maybe depending on where we, you know, you guys were moving or we were doing with dad's schedules on both sides being crazy um but let's let's start there is that where the similarities you think from what you guys heard from kane and i share end is you know the genetic connection um you know you guys lived in bigger cities too on occasion compared to us is there anything else like on the similar side that you heard that, that we missed before we jump into some of the con con uh, con contrasts what i'd say there's definitely uh i mean the majority of our Growing up, at least age-wise, our adolescence was in Spokane, Washington, which is white. <laughs> so I'd say in similarity to Billings, mm -hmm. we're, we're people who grew up in, in similar spaces. Um, but that I would say that would be probably the biggest similarity. Was your Were your friends groups in, in makeup of race, was it similar? Or a lot of white friends? Did you have a, a minority friends? You know, it, it like David was on ours. Like, oh, we have our black friend, David. There he is. He's coming. He's in the car. <laughs> What was the makeup of your guys' friend groups? Did they differ per sister? Well, by the time that we moved to Spokane, I think we moved there about 1995 or 1996. Um, the neighborhood in particular where our parents chose to buy a house was 97% white. Mm. Um, so I think we were David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys played that role. You wore that hat. I graduated there were probably maybe three other families of color yeah. and that's one mixed black family and two latinx families they were the yeah. same one they, were, they yeah. had siblings so that was the same it was the same for mm. us yeah. <laughs> there, was, there, there, was, there like, were the, the families of color that was family, yeah. and then yeah. like looking back on it now i can see how as a kid i was more drawn to the other brown kids without really understanding that i was drawn to like there may literally when i say the other brown kids i mean there was maybe like one or two in like my whole school mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we would somehow find each other and i don't think we really understood why it is that we found each other but we would and mm -hmm. we, would, we would find ways to, to bond and we would become friends and it's like on reflection now that i'm an adult and I can understand my experiences a little better. I'm like, oh, we just were the brown kids in my spaces and we needed support. I remember people like making fun of Dave and like, you guys are married. You're, you're, you're merged at the hip. 
And now that you mentioned that, Kay, it's like, yeah, well, who else was we were we going to merge with? You know, you, you over there, like your 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 family had a Bush and Reagan sign in the front yard. Rhonda yeah. wasn't going to drop me off at that house, so uh, Chad one, Chad two, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's let's jump into some of you know where we want to go with your experiences, how you guys want to start the discussion. Um, you know, and Calais, you and I talk kind of beforehand. Well, we all talk right now. That is Spokane. It sounds like a very even though it's a big city with Gonzaga, right? Is it pretty? It's a, it's a white town. Yeah, like Billings. Also, yes. I, sorry, quickly, I want to point out Gonzaga is a Jesuit college. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, so it's a, it's a very religious college. Yes. So yes. Sort of, out there yeah. when we're talking about a big, big college. We're all right. talking about right. by religion. So go ahead, please continue. Yeah. No, just, yeah, to talk to your stats kind of about Spokane, um, it does go back and forth with Tacoma as technically the second largest, most populated place in Washington. Right. Um, mm. Unlike Seattle, uh, it's very rural and very spread out. So, mm-hmm. you know, whereas you get the cities massively populated here, Spokane, it's just, you know, there's a lot of farms. People, people have come visit us, uh, for, you know, from out of town and they're like, wow, you live in the boonies. Your whole town mm-hmm. is in the boonies. Mm-hmm. Our high school was literally in a wheat field. Oh. So, <laughs> so there's definitely, a, would you, is, is a bubble accurate? Like Kane and I have talked about Billings is a bubble. Like there's nothing that mm-hmm. happens. Like Billings West High School is the shit because it's the bubble. You know, we don't experience anything, have any access to metropolitan areas unless you want to get on a plane or drive eight hours one direction yeah, or another. There's there's a lot of accessibility, I think, from Spokane. Mm-hmm. I mean, having worked business there, it is a little easier, I think, than probably Billings to get to like a Seattle or a Portland. Mm-hmm. So there's access. Or there's some places mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, some places like Boise. Boise would consider mm-hmm. itself, like, I think, pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, to your point, though, it's still very much a bubble. I think it maybe allows, it, it kind of excuses itself sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you have a lot of universities because there's also Whitworth, there's also Eastern, um, and you know, so so they. Court, I see you laughing about that Whitworth comment. <laughs> I see you laughing. Yeah. Yeah. We've beat them once in ten years. Thank you. One of you had a little more success when you guys came into. I know. I know. I know. Did the moving, like, do you guys feel like, were you too young, you know, three out of the four? Like, Kelly, how old were you guys when you, when you, when you got to Spokane and set, like, roots, um, kind of? Actually, I was actually 10, so I was oh, okay. yeah, my childhood was a little bit different. I went to six different elementary schools. So oh. I lived in various cities up and down California. I lived in Seattle, I lived in Tacoma, I lived in Memphis. Um, Memphis, so, I had no yeah. idea about the Memphis. I remember Lancaster, Renton, mm-hmm. would, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think really by the time we started, y'all started visiting us, it was kind of after after we started getting settled up in mm-hmm. Northwest, I think. And then, Kay, where, 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 where was everybody born? Uh, So the three of us, the oldest three, we were all born in Lancaster. In Lancaster? I was born in Washington. I was born in Renton. Okay, okay. Gotcha. And, and we, they lived, we lived there for a few more years, and then we moved to Spokane by the time I was like two or three. Yeah. And then that's where we stayed until... Right. Right. So give us give give me round table it go, you know, however order you want. Give me your first experience with race. Give me where you were first very aware of being different or seeing somebody else put on, you know, in that scenario. Sure. Well, one of the this is court. Uh one of the ones that uh 
Kelly and I were just recently talking about was I remember so distinctly and she reminded me that it was in Spokane and some guy with just disdain in his voice with all four of us with our mother like asked him if he was trying to she was trying to start a new race mm-hmm. he was the mechanic we were going to pick up we had yeah. we had recently moved to Spokane we were going to pick up her car she had to take all of us with her and we walk in and he looks at all of us and he just laughs and he goes what are you trying to start a new race and then she kind of laughs along with him oh just, my goodness well, i would have been going into first grade if we had just gotten to spokane yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so you're about six, about six yeah. years old. So that puts me at, like, that puts me at <laughs> nine yeah and i and i don't and i have i have like a little bit i remember that vaguely but i think the first um my first concrete memory was in first grade and we we're out on the playground and i don't think she was in my class but i don't even, and i don't remember how we got here and she just came up to me and she said that she said, your skin's the color of poop. Ugh. And it was the first one that I was like, I, I thought we were all the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was like, I became, I just, I became aware that, and I hadn't, yeah. thought of it, I hadn't thought of it before that, that, that I didn't look like everybody else. Mm. I, I learned I was brown from a little girl in a grocery store when I was like four or so. Um, she, like we were like talking back and forth. I don't even remember what we we're talking about. The only part of it that I remember is when she was like, "Well, do you want to be my friend?" I was like, "Sure." And then she goes, "I've never had a brown friend." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I'm like looking at my mom." I was like, "What?" Yeah. Am I that? Yeah. And like that one, that one was just like where it like kind of made me aware. But mm-hmm. the the first interaction that I remember being like really offended and and very confused. I was about seven or eight and uh, we were swimming in this river, <laughs> swimming in the river. And um, and this little white girl like came swimming up to me and she asked me, what I, like, what are you? And uh, I didn't really understand the question. And we got to, I got to figure out that she's asking where I'm from. I was like, oh, well, my family's Samoan. She's like, what, what is that? Like, it's an mm. island. And she was like, oh, an island. So do you know what cars are? Oh. Do you have electricity? So you bathe in the ocean? Like she's just, she's like going off on these things. And I'm just saying, I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> like the, I, to me, those questions were so stupid. Yeah. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know what cars are. And they, like, what are you, what are you talking about? So yeah, we were, I was young. We were all really young. Mm-hmm. Do you, how do you, I remember the, the, the Samoan thing was always, because no one had a, a clue, right? right. They, right. they would never, ever even point out on a, on a globe yeah. like in elementary school i would literally have to point it out on the globe and little small little speck of the island that it is yeah. on a map and you're literally just like yeah it's right there and, and it just people were just confused and baffled by what the hell is this samoan thing what, what are you talking about i never heard of it it must not yeah. be explained. and, and the, it's so funny that that question of what are you yeah. and, and it's like what do you mean? What am I? And, and it that question continued for me through all the way up, really through all the way into college. I was when just say that, yeah. It was just constantly yeah. like, hey, I'm, like there was. I remember specifically sitting in the cafeteria at MSU, eating with about four or five of my teammates, and we're all sitting around the table and we're joking around, and, and that in particular comment came up, like, man, what the hell are you? And, um, you know, obviously explain to them exactly. And, and guys being in the, at the table at the time, there, there was some actual diversity at the table. 
And so, so a lot of oh yeah, shit, okay, I get it. You look a little bit more Italian, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and so as I walked away, I guess one of the guys actually kind of nudged the, another one of my players, uh, Eggert actually, and was like, "No, seriously, what what is Kane? I'm baffled, I'm confused." And there so was that, a that uh, question has just been a constant. My first day at Willamette, there was a pool between the returners. Cause I got bigger lips, right? So here's double racism, man. Yeah? Like, well, he's so, he got to be black because he's got some lips, but he's something. And there was a pool, and nobody asked me for like a month, and nobody asked me if or it's so that's I, that totally resonates. And in Montana, you know, similar. Like I'm sure you guys have been called every racial slur. None of them accurately depict what they're trying to hate you for. But I, you know, we'd get that in the tunnel. You know, you'd get the N word and spick, chink. And just kind of like, yeah. wait, 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 I got another one. I can try this one. And you, yeah. you know. but Calais, go, you, I think we didn't, we didn't get yours, your first experience with it. Oh, um, to be perfectly honest, I think the one that sticks with me the most is probably one of my first ones in Spokane when I was, uh, because obviously I had a little bit more um, experience in with diversity. Like I went to, I went to elementary school in California and Tacoma and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in Tacoma, it was actually a predominantly black and POC school. So um, moving to Spokane, I think maybe culture shock. My first experience that I really internalized um, was this kid. He, from what I could gather, it was I was in the fourth grade. Uh, from what I could gather, he really was the kid who didn't have a lot of money in class. He didn't smell the best. He kind of sat by himself and kids were picking on him. And so as we were walking to music class, I tried to be nice. Like I legit, I saw that he was being picked on and I tried to like walk up and I was like, Hey Johnny, like, how are you today? And he turns around and he goes, don't talk to me, you dirty Mexican. And, and so, and so like, we're still walking and I, and I I paused at first because my first thought was, I'm not Mexican. (laughs) But then like, I, but then everything caught up and I was like, Hey, and I go, you're a jerk. And, and I go, you're a jerk. And then my music teacher stopped me and she goes, we don't use that language. And I got in trouble. Uh, of course you did. Of course that's how it happened. Oh my God. There's so many just in that. We got We're going to make this a reoccurring segment with you guys. Cause Kelly, I really want to unpack, you know, poverty. And the only reason I can find value, even though I'm dirt poor is I can be more than you. Cause you're Brown, but we'll get to that guys. We'll get, we'll yeah. get, we'll get all into that. I want to have, I want to have Carrie talk about a little bit as far as her, her kind of her experience. Um, obviously, like I could mention Centerville, Montana, and wanted to kind of fill us all in on on just your background in this this whole scenario as well. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, we've talked about it before, but obviously, you know, we've been talking about it a lot more. And um, I mean, I graduated with thirty kids, so you know, talk about a bubble right outside of Great Falls, Montana, <laughs> which doesn't have anything as far as you know. I never had to really think about it, I guess. Like for me, you guys are talking about, you know, 10 years old, you know, first grade. And to be honest, I would say when I came to college and I remember saying something, um, somebody talking about like, you know, Centerville or Great Falls and being like, oh my gosh, Bozeman has so much culture, so much diversity. Mm. The campus brings in so many people. And like thinking back, like I, that of course I'm going to say that because I don't know I mean Mm -hmm. I hadn't had any experience Mm -hmm. um and any conversations really like I we never had 
those conversations at the dinner table and I, you know, that awareness of that, those conversations in general, I guess, you know? And so just like very eye opening coming to Bozeman. And again, that being like my big difference in, in what I was normal for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, obviously like meeting Kane has opened my eyes even more to, you know, things that I didn't even, it's like this blinder, right? Like you don't even know you have it on. And all of a sudden it just starts to kind of come back a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, and you kind of start to see things from a place you never had to mm-hmm. because it never affected you. It never affected the people around you. Oh, right. You know? mm-hmm. so. No, no, I appreciate you sharing that. Guys, we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about like um, internalizing it or where did you guys go with these experiences when you were feeling this, experiencing it, seeing it? We talked about on the previous episode, you know, Kane and I were, were lucky enough to go home and those conversations happened a lot in, you know, Rhonda would get in the car to go drag somebody if she needed to. What was the experience like for you guys? Where, where did you go? Was it just your guys' hive mind, the four of you dealing with these things? What were your outlets? Where did you go with these things? Uh, I, I can speak this is court. Uh, for me, the difficulty that I had was, you know, y'all had talked about, you know, the Samoan side of it and kind of leaning into that. But I, we didn't really have that kind of support at home. And the people that I, I mean, some of them I still call friends, some of them I don't, but the people I rolled with, they just subject me to just being black. They're just like, mm. no, no, you're practically black, you're just black. So what happened to me is my identity as a Pacific Islander was completely erased. Mm. Just as a whole. So in turn like internally, like I'm struggling. So it's like I'm definitely not black, but literally no one else around me will let me be other anything other than like like, culturally, like that that just kind of had a difficult it was difficult for me. And obviously like I grew up loving and still like hip hop is huge for me. So of course that just helped them with their case apparently. Right, right. Oh you're just black. Like that's cool. So kind of conversations. I just, I just shrugged my shoulders. I was like, okay, I guess I'm just whatever someone tells, like whatever someone else tells me I am. Yeah. Um, Because while that was happening, I also had a good friend of mine's dad always just call me Pocahontas. Oh, same. So it's like, so really, so by internalizing it, my identity was just erased. It was not until college that I really like leaned into understanding what it was like to be a person of color, Mm -hmm. a woman of color, things like that. Like it was just. Try to blend in, straighten your hair, like all of that kind of stuff. It was just there yeah. was no conversations happening at home. Pocahontas, like every time you walked in their house, saw you. That was just the, the um, auto. Yeah, and then like a pool, and so like first of all, people were pleasantly surprised I could swim because you know there's that like that like there's okay. racism that has black people not knowing how to swim. Yeah, there was, there was already a thing there. There was already a thing about my hair. I put it in a braid, so when it got wet, it wouldn't be so like it wouldn't just get so tangled. So that's kind of how you just. So every time I walked in the house, it was every time we were swimming, every like just every time I saw him, my name was erased. It was just, oh, hey, Pocahontas. Others, Kira, Kay, Calais, you guys go ahead. Keep going. Similar court, different. What, what do you got? Yeah, I think um, what you're asking sort of what did we do with that, at least for me, I think we didn't really have each other. We weren't we having big conversations uh, okay. like among ourselves. We weren't. Um, that, that wasn't a space for it. Yeah. Um, we definitely weren't talking about it with our parents only in the moments that we did bring things home. And this was probably the biggest difference in listening to y'all's story is, you know, you came home and you told Rhonda what was going on and she was like, this is wrong. Let's go. Um, our mother was from the South and some of the, 
the earliest bouts of racism I experienced were from her and her family. Mm-hmm. You know, they called mm. us the N-word hard R. Oh. You know, in the house. <laughs> you know, and added a little let's to it when it when it was fun. Yeah. You know, like, oh, like, oh, let's make this a good thing. Um, mm. So I think, you know, so then when we, there were those experiences, I, did, I remember coming home and sharing the, the whole Johnny experience. Mm-hmm. It was always invalidating. Mm. It was always like, oh, well, the teacher probably didn't hear what he said. Oh, okay. Right. And no, no, no level of mention about what was actually, what the exchange was about. You know, there was yeah. no, not a single conversation. For, for an interracial couple in white spaces, not once did they ever sit any of us down and go, hey, people are going to treat you differently. Mm-hmm. They just sort of let us experience it. And then when we bring it home mm-hmm. to talk about it, 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 it was like a, well, it's not that bad. It can't, it can't be, it can't really be like that. Yeah. You know, that's just, well, yeah, that's go ahead. Go ahead, Kira. Uh, I was just going to say it's, it's to your point, Clay. Um, I remember, uh, and this also speaks to Kay, Kay talking about knowing she was Samoan speaks to how different each of us experienced our own household and, um, and how separated we were because I didn't know that I was, I don't, I don't remember when I, when I figured it out, but I didn't know I was Samoan because we had a little saying that Karen would tell all of us um, uh, to say when people ask, like she, she'd say, you're English, Irish, Dutch, German, and Indian. Those were the five things she would say. And I never, and so I would repeat that, like, oh, I'm English, Irish, Dutch, German, and Indian. And no wonder everyone looked at me like so confused because yeah. I didn't say anything that would make Hey, listen, Tiger Woods, you can sell this goods to yourself, but we're looking at something else. Oh and my so, gosh! So I didn't even know, and and I think I um, I didn't I didn't talk about it at home, and I didn't talk about it with my friends, and I think instead, I just tried so desperately hard to to tone down any 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 semblance of brownness that I was or had to fit in mm-hmm. because mm. all my friends were white, and I wanted to be accepted, and I wanted to be them. I wanted to be them. I wanted to change my name to something that sounded more. Uh, white. I begged we my all, mom to all. change my name to Deanna. Yeah, and I like, to Deanna, everybody. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? I begged. I was Denise. I was Denise and um, Vanessa at one point when I was like, "Ooh, that's cooler." Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is. Do you think there's? And t- absolutely tell me I'm wrong. I remember you guys having a very strong knowledge, acting knowledge of pop culture whenever we visited. Was that part of what we're talking about? Like deep diving into if I can just speak this language, you know, finding that identity that, you know, is, is easier to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like for us, why so much of that of the racism was internalized is because exactly what you said, we had nowhere to take it. Mm-hmm. So we can stay internal. We're, we're trying to work this out in here and have nowhere, no understanding of even what is going on and why as little kids. Yeah. So when we look around us and we only see white, whiteness, mm-hmm. white people, we had, we did our best to find what connected with us and what that brought us to was black culture. Mm-hmm. Like that, that brought us to hip hop, that brought us to TV shows and movies that are centered around black families and the black experience. And even though it's not, it was not our same experience, it highlighted the parts of our experiences that whiteness completely embraced. Yeah. And so we, we held on to that. And because, I mean, you're not going to find Pacific Islanders or Samoans represented 
so much in in media like right. at all especially in the yeah. 90s, like 2000s right. when we're up uh, sports so um outside sports exactly yeah. and as mm-hmm. a girl it's like well i'm not looking at these Samoan football players and feeling represented so mm-hmm. it's like, i'm i'm i don't know i'm, I'm yeah. finding these, these young black girls who are telling their stories on tvs or these families so i'm watching the proud family and that's a raven and yeah. all that and <laughs> family matters you know like we're watching that that's what we're what we're finding at it yeah and and really identifying the closest with because that's really our only mm-hmm. option can't, does that, doesn't that resonate with you a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just say that. I, mean, I think there was definitely some similarities in that regard as far as the, you know, not so much not knowing we were Pacific Islands, we were Samoan, right? Because our dad was very much about that and, and told us, I don't know if you guys listened to uh, their speech? story, my mom and dad's story <laughs> as far as the parenting deal, but I mean, he, he said it on there like a thousand times as far as what they uh, wanted to make sure that we knew growing up. Um, and emphasize that with us all the time, which was awesome. Uh, being able to tell people, yeah, we are Samoan, and they look at you still funny as shit, like, we don't know what that is, like we were talking about, right? And so the easiest, the same, same thing, with, so the easiest thing for everyone to basically, well, okay, you're not Native American, um, you're the Samoan, fuck it, you're, you're probably black, then. Who, who knows, right? And so the and for us as kids, it was a similar deal where it wasn't like there was, like you're saying, Pacific Islander movies or shows or anything that we could just watch and, and really hone in on that culture. And so, but the shoot, we could watch Cosby show, we could watch Martin, we could watch a different world, we could watch all these shows that none of our other friends were watching. Right. Right. <laughs> right? No, not, not a single, you couldn't go to elementary school the next day after watching an episode of Martin. And be laughing about it with so and so with Brian or, or Todd. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't ever gonna. They were never gonna. Uh, yeah, does not know what we're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> they had no clue, right? They had no clue, and uh, and so uh, definitely, man. I, I, we could, I could feel that uh, as you guys were talking about it. I was like, yeah, that sounds very, very familiar. The question I have is. So, you know, obviously we did not get together a whole lot as you guys were really coming up. You know, as, as we got older, I think we got together more often for, you know, whatever reason. When we did have those moments together as a, as a family, was there any part of you that wanted to ask us, probably Kip more than me, just because I didn't talk back then. <laughs> um, but was there any part of you that wanted to ask at you know any given moment, like, hey, by the way, what a, how are you guys handling something? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure yeah. at a young age, you had no idea, but at the same time, there had to be some curiosity as far as our experiences at that time. Mm-hmm. If there were similarities there at that time. Yeah. I think for me, there were times, maybe as I got a little bit older, that I think I connected our experiences and mm-hmm. wanted to reach out to Kip. It was like, hey, it feels like sometimes we kind of have deep conversations. Maybe we could talk about this. <laughs> but truth- <laughs> But truthfully, I think, you know, in the household that we grew up in, I I did not know a safe space to have conversations like that, especially with a man in my life, especially with a man related to me in my life. You know, mm-hmm. so I think, I, you know, so I, I don't think that that ever felt like a real option. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, even a, even a yeah. Like, I didn't, right. yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of it. Like, so, you know, I feel like survival mechanisms kind of, kind of 
click in and you're going, okay, well, there's nobody to talk to about this, so I'm just dealing with it. And I mean, and y'all are also were also painted to us in a very particular way yes. because we That's only saw you once a year, because we only hear about you through your parents, through our parents. Like, mm-hmm. we, we have a very particular idea of who you are. So yeah. when we see you that once a year, you know, we're going to interact with you based on who we thought that you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty, if I can chime in, there was a pretty intense pedestal. Yes, <laughs> there was a pretty it intense was pedestal was set. It was yeah. false. All of it was false. Uh, all of it was false. Well, I, I do. I want to. I want to take our first break, but I do want to dive into more of this. I know we had sent out some segments, but we can adjust it as we go. But I want to take our first break and come back on that. So we'll be right back. Cross the streams. Race in the cousins. Is that a, is that a good name? It's not a good name. We'll figure it out. <laughs> the Cross the Stream podcast and its creators, Kip and Kanayon, stand for anti-racism and for being disruptive to bigotry in all its forms. Before now and forever we implore our listeners to listen to learn learn to care and care enough to act all right we're back uh i wanted to talk talk we've mentioned a little bit in 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 just the comparison talk about the gender experience difference too with this because i think we were even seeing it i know at the march i was at here in salem i know crazy salem actually had was awesome I know it's cool to see Billings and Bozeman. Can you had one Billings? There was seventy-five people. Fuck for Billings. That's a party. We got that's huge. But there was a big shit. There was a big noticeable difference. A willingness to say George Floyd, willingness to say Ahmaud Arbery, and not as many people chanting when it was Breonna Taylor. You know, so it leads me into what you guys experienced. You know, we're all brown, but you guys are also female. So whoever wants to start it, give me differences and experiences you think that had gender intertwined uh, with, with, the, with the racial part. Um, I'll speak for everybody, but firstly, I'll, I think I'll say that gender really always plays a role, mm-hmm. despite, mm-hmm. Being entirely, despite being entirely socially constructed concept. It is involved always. I mean, after after people noticing that we're brown, and maybe it's not even that they notice that we're brown first, it's that we're women, we're presenting. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that there's a scenario that that isn't that doesn't play a part on some level. In school, in in school, in family, equal note, equal this happening worse in some areas with the gender part. It's a consistent. Are the levels of intensity different in certain areas or certain hats you guys wear? Uh, well, I know in listening to y'all, um, this, that last podcast that we listened to, um, and you spoke about, uh, your parents, well, you spoke a little bit about your parents and their expectations of you, their support of you. And I think that we can already just say that expectations of gender are different. It's like as, mm-hmm. as students, as children, as siblings, as whatever, as because we are women and because we were girls, like they didn't expect us to be you know, we're outspoken. Mm. Uh, they didn't expect us to be heard. They just expected us to to obey. Mm. Well, there's to your point, point uh, to your point, maybe the couple of conversations that we might have had with our dad, or at least for me, the couple of conversations I might have had with him that had anything to do with some sort of racial, racially fueled interaction. Mm-hmm it negated entirely the fact that I was female. Yeah. And and typically what came out of the conversation was, well, if you just put your head down and ignore them and keep trucking forward, it's fine. 
right. from a man, from a man, from a man to a woman. Like, hey, be quiet and do what you're told, right. and yes. keep working so. hard and be smart. Like you're smart, right. it's okay. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were taught survival mechanisms, mm-hmm. and we were practicing survival mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and really, what you'll hear from our parents is, "Well, we told you you could do anything that you wanted, and we told you you could be anything." And and these these words that are true, they're words that they said, but it's like. You also said a bunch of other shit mm-hmm. that kind of went against negated those. Negated that, yeah. Negated the positive. That action that didn't support those words. When you're telling us we can do anything and be anything, we're also telling us to keep our heads down and be quiet and not to challenge anybody. You know, that's that's really that that's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If if you would have advice on raising, because Kip and I both obviously are are in the midst of it. Kip's obviously been how many years now uh, with Leah. But me now with with Ava, what would your advice be uh, for a father, as far me. as and a mother, obviously as well? But trying to get at this, just yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just what would you tell a, a father, as far as myself, to how to raise a daughter in a way that doesn't make it seem uh, like. I don't know. Uh, again, um, like in a supportive, um, yeah, a, a, a more of a, a way in which. Yeah, I'm gonna say number one, all caps, shout it from the rooftops. Listen, like mm-hmm. listen, yeah. because yeah. like so often, what will empower your daughter to feel like she can speak truth to you is knowing that you listen to her mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. your responses to her and how you handle these situations with her are based on what she said to you. Yes. <laughs> and not just you know, spelling and something. And it's not just like, oh, let me come in and fix this and do what I know is right and this is this. It's like, you're listening to what she's saying. You're listening to how she's been impacted by the situation. You mm-hmm. are using your adult brain and your experience to understand how actions from here on, from however you act from here on out can have consequences. And you are going to use that to help her mm-hmm. solve this problem and be a support system for her as she continues to maybe hit obstacles along the way. But the very, very first and I think very basic thing is listen. 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 They'll yeah. they'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And, and not to like, not to negate their experiences because they're not yours. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. and that thing too is like it's so easy. Literally in all of life, the first thing you want to do with someone is be like, oh hey, I totally get what you're saying. I know yeah. how you I feel. Relate. I relate. relate. I understand. But there is a huge aspect of not like Carrie can say that obviously a lot easier than you can, you know. Um, but it's just like one of those things where it's like don't negate what she's saying to you just because you don't understand it, and, yeah. and try to fix her problem with how you would have solved yours. Right. Because right, it's right. not that it's not going to be the same. It, yeah. it won't be the same. Because John, because for for exactly what you're saying, our dad was giving us advice based on how he handled things. But that is doesn't mean the same thing when you're saying it to your brown daughter. Yeah, and he's, work the same and he's like, and there's so many layers of him being like a man, a brown man, an older brown man, and also an immigrant. It's like you're you're also an immigrant, and a lot of his mentality is a, is because of that. Is because he and his family were immigrants, and he doesn't even understand how so much of the way that he operated in the world is a result of that, and that we didn't need to necessarily operate the same way mm-hmm. because he was, he was still in survival mode like he, he he him being in survival mode just passed on to us like you need to survive i need to survive you need to survive and like just focus on surviving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, so wait, you guys are telling you guys are telling me and kane not to give advice and fix things right away 
Is that what you're saying? Carrie, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he doesn't do that, does he? Carrie, have you guys talked? And Kelly, I think, should be able to join us here in a little bit. But talk, have you guys had these types of discussions where you've had to present a similar type of argument to him? Or like, hey, this has got to be the plan, Captain. You can't just call the blitz and it's shit's going to happen. <laughs> Um, I can't think of anything like off the cuff, you know, where it was like, you know, she's getting to that age, right. right. Where she is really independent and she is really particular, um, about what she wants, you know? So kind of trying to just let her do her thing, even though she's two, you know? So sometimes <laughs> it's just straight gibberish and want to go look at that point at that sir. No, don't talk about that's mine. Or, you know, just kind of letting her do her thing right now. And kind of trying to figure out how to set some rules, you know, that we feel like already for us, you know, like some like boundaries of like polite and respectful, but yes, you do whatever is comfortable or if that's not, doesn't make you comfortable, you need to say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a stressful problem. (laughs) (laughs) Of like trying not to crush a child's imagination and also keep them alive. (laughs) We had a Leah created. So because they've been out for, you know, like everybody in the country, they haven't had school. The fifth grade usually ends with a whole graduation ceremony in like this big open house field day where every classroom is this fun achievement. So she created that in our house today. And I really applauded the effort, right? It's really hard for me to get in that make-believe mindset. I didn't crush nothing. I played every single game. I played every single game. But it's very hard for me to get into the, yes, I'd like to order a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I'd like to go to the, to the garage and do scooters in a circle. But I did it. But I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the, the discussion because there is that. Kelly's told me about this a lot. Stop trying to fix it. I'm just telling you. Just listen. And I'm just like, well, don't tell me if you don't want it fixed. And then, <laughs> what, what evidence is there that you're good at fixing things, Kip? I don't know. I don't know where that lives. Um, you know, go, talk to me a little bit about, Kane and I discussed a little bit, you know, joking, but being really aware that, you know, we experience the world as, you know, as brown men, but we're not black, right? And half the damn time we have, we're white passing. There's sometimes, and we don't get enough sun, Rhonda's side comes out. I'm not sure that was similar for you guys. If you had that same time of not being as dark as Kate, you know, Kate and I get super light. So just differences, experiences, uh, expound on that. I mean, we get light. We get very light. We just, we don't get mistaken for white. Mm. Like between like white passing and not white passing, it's like, is that no matter who looks at me or how light I am, nobody thinks I'm a white woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really the distinction. Right. With that for me. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. The, uh, I, Kelly, I want to make sure we hit on because we had a lot of stuff before we go into. Kay, I want to get into your, you know, the ecosystem and I want to really dive into that. But anything else in just the differences and experiences you guys wanted to make sure you shared before we kind of switch gears? Kane, any other questions from you? Well, I mean, I got one, but I feel like it's later. But where did this awakening and awareness of what you experienced when did it happen college later you know talk to me about i think because in a lot of ways you guys's journey um calais when you went to uw court similarly all your guys's journey in like early young adulthood if that's what we call it in really discovering you know your your someone roots is really educated us on a lot of it because i think you guys have deep dived that a lot more than kane and i have so talk about any and start with that anyway any way you want to I think already some of that, uh, some of our experience is a little bit different where 
um, our dads were similar in that there was a level of like Samoan pride that John had, mm -hmm. um, obviously that, that, that uh, Milo did, um, does, but John also doesn't speak the language. Mm. Um, and John also has a, ha had a wife. So Karen very much was anti someone for mm. as much as she was very vocal about being glad that she had mixed daughters. She was very she clear with us. Yeah, she, <laughs> very, showing, yeah. she was very clear with us that we were attractive because we were white. She would tell us specifically that full Samoan women were ugly and we should know that because we've seen them. Mm -hmm. And so we should be grateful that we were half of her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. So, you know, there's that difference. Yeah. Sometimes the moments do sweep me away. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will. Uh, we yeah. probably saying really heavy stuff and laughing a lot yeah. because we, 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 talk about, we yeah. talk about process. Yeah. Like yeah. stuff is humorous. Right, right, right. So do you, like, Kira, do you guys have moments of record, like, it's not an aha, like, oh, my light bulb went up over my head, but just, like, were there conversations with friends in different spaces where you're like, holy shit, that was kind of fucked up? Um... So I didn't realize that my entire life in Spokane was just one long microaggression until I <laughs> went to one macro. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're off. Yeah, we're in the we're in macro now. Shit, like god awful. I mean, I've even had like I connected with someone that I was really close to uh, in middle school and high school. She and I played ball together. Kind of stayed a little bit in touch, and then she went to Western and. I, um, she and I got to meet up when I was up there for work a couple of years ago and all she could talk about was how apologetic she was because she also went to school and realized that while not participating, her silence in what happened mm. in my life was absurd. Mm. And, and so really for me, mine was college. Like okay. I didn't have my first Pacific Islander friend until college. Thank God. Like, I mean, can you, you coach there, like University of Washington, like, yeah. They, yeah. they have a pipeline to the islands. Yes. So, so that yeah. was my first understanding. And it was actually really cool because a lot of them were first generation like me. Um, so we so we really got to connect on that. I, I joined the Polynesian Student Alliance. Um, so that was really my understanding. And then, I mean, I ended up graduating with American Ethnic Studies uh, major, which like literally is the study of brown and black people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, it was college. It was college. And and understanding and being in more, um, you know, VIPOC spaces to just be like, oh, so like, you're not going to spend half of the time we're hanging out together trying to identify me or like, just put me in a box. Like, you're just going to let me live. Mm -hmm. Like, this is great. <laughs> like, like, you're not, you're not making my choices in music or anything of that sort, using it as an identifier to who I am as a human. This is great. Like, yeah. it, it really, it just like, it was almost, it, it really was, like you said, like an awakening. Like, it was just like, going into a new space and the realization that every, my life felt like a lie pretty much mm. up until then. Um, and then just being, being educated about it. Like, you know, being able to take my first uh, black studies course and, you know, like UW, they fought really hard for it. And my junior year, there was specifically a, like a Pacific Islander studies class that was mm. ran, that was ran by a Samoan guy that, uh, that actually Kelly knows, uh, Professor Polite. So it's like, it was just like a journey that, Everything broke, and then it just sailed from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the floor gave out, and then there was nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's mine. Kira, I don't want Kira. I don't want you, Dub, to get all the credit here. Is Wazoo opening <laughs> for you, or by all means, give Dub some credit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 
yet again, I cannot stress enough how different all of our experiences are. And you and you and you'll hear that in the way we talk about things because that was not uh, my journey at all. Like I in college, it, my freshman year of college was the first was the first time I spent uh, I spent time in spaces of um, Polynesian people outside of our family reunions, mm-hmm. uh, right? And uh, and and honestly, in general, people of color outside of outside of our family. Uh, and it, and I, I really struggled feeling, um, feeling connected. Like I, I, uh, I think I, I didn't feel, I wasn't, I didn't feel like a part of it because I, I knew so little about it. And instead of going into it, looking at it as an opportunity to get to learn it and get to be a part of it, I, I felt othered and I othered myself mm. and I, and I didn't feel a sense of community there. And I, so I was a part of the Pacific Islanders club, but I did not, uh, I didn't take advantage of that situation in ways that I look back now and wish that I had. And so after my sophomore year, I stayed in touch with some of them and, and participated in some of the activities, but mostly I, I, uh, shied away from it. So it's really not until I moved to LA and if I'm being entirely honest, uh, it has it has been in this last year mm. being around my siblings mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I come into uh, I have woken up in in ways that I feel like I lived my whole life in my mind I feel mm. like I lived my whole head I lived in my head and so it's been being around my siblings that I've been able to start to really unravel what it's been like to be a, a woman of color in mm-hmm. this world man okay mm-hmm. Calais for you guys moments time like uh, for me, it was uh, by the time I got through um, like junior year of high school, I was just very, very depressed. Like there, there was a lot of other things going on, um, but really, I had I had come to realize that there just was not enough culture around me, and I didn't know how to get it. Uh, but after Kelly's wedding um, in 2010. That was the first time that I had ever met some of our Samoan family from here. From from and uh, really where our parents grew up when they came here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, was, it was all the family from the block. That's, that's where our family grew up, our dads. So I met that family and it really just like smacked me in the face. So I was like, oh, you just, you like really need to like be somewhere else. Um, and Kelly, it started as a joke. Like <laughs> literally like, the day after Kelly's wedding, we're joking. We're like, what if you just like, left here and just like went and like went to LA and like lived with that family even though they don't know you <laughs> and I was like I know right and then and then we 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 made a presentation like which yeah, is the way that you want that's so how you have to, to pitch things, things. To, yeah. to jump and you have to present them because if you don't at least have every answer to any question they have they're not going to listen to you if you can't answer their questions yes. and it's just like why are we here they'll, they'll shut it down yeah. so you need to be prepared for every question you think they're going to ask yeah. you can build up a point so i had, I had the support of Kalei. Well, i believe at that time you're looking back and being like Fuck, if i could have moved out when i was 17 i would have left like if i could have yeah. left, I, left. Yeah. I know i did because i don't know if y'all remember i went and visited um i went and spent the summer in morocco yes i remember that yeah they had invited me to live with them and stay and finish school abroad and Karen refused. Yeah. Oh. So it was really in my class. It was my my privilege and she was like, oh no, this isn't happening twice. Like we're gonna make this happen. So, yeah. so we brought this and I did. We took it to John and Karen and, and Karen's she said no and she walked away. John, oh. like very 
uh, like uncharacteristically, he he asked me why. He's like, well, why do you want to move? Like, yeah, I think he was a little bit hurt. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, why, why do you want to leave? Like, I had a, I had a whole senior year left, um, and we didn't even really get deep into it. I was just like, I'm unhappy, and I don't think that, and I don't know where I'm, I don't know where to go. Like, I'm not gonna I, my grades. I was not gonna be able to get into the schools my sisters went, which is UWC. Like, I'm not gonna be able to go there. And I just, I, could, I couldn't figure it out. So I wanted to be around more brown people. I wanted to try to find happiness. Luckily, the family was down. So I moved mm-hmm. to the block in Maywood, California, Southeast, South, South, uh, Southeast LA. And uh, I found out there though, that I, I, I felt out of place being like the only brown person in Spokane and at my schools. And then I go, I'm like, oh yeah, there's so many brown people here in Maywood and in Bell. But they're all Latinx, like mm. mostly. <laughs> like, so it's like yeah. kind of different in another way. Like mm-hmm. nobody at that school ever learned my name. They called me Samoan Goddess, which like sounds like a compliment, but it's, right. it's, it's also kind of hurtful. Right? Yeah. Like, you call me that because I'm standing above you, like a whole foot as you're walking down the hall. Yeah. And y'all just like, you don't want to know my name. Like, it's, it's like, I, I just, I became really, really aware at the end of high school. And so when I went to, when I went to Long Beach State, um, I, I, joined the Pacific Islanders Association like the first semester there I kind of got like a feel of it I had my hesitations and things as I learned which I need to get into all of it now but like ultimately that's what started the journey of me continuing with that organization eventually working for um, the Office of Multicultural Affairs which is in uh, the Student Services Department and so it really just got me involved in a lot of the stuff Mm -hmm. that is very relevant right now and I'm really grateful that 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 that's how I use my experience because I feel so much more equipped like mm. to be I, I feel like I'm I've, I'm already rolling on a lot of stuff that's happening right now so yeah. like, okay cool. so like just like keep that up <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I feel really fortunate in that and privileged in that for sure for sure Kelly uh, oh good I was gonna ask them a similar question so answer yours first oh good thank you yeah. uh, I think I probably fall somewhere between Kira and Kay in terms of my experience. Um, I knew for certain I didn't want to go to college in Spokane because it was Spokane uh, and surrounding areas. So I started looking around and started um, sending out, uh, like getting information from different ethnic, like different, um, like office minority affair programs and things like that at schools. And so my senior year of high school, I got invited out to UW um, for one of their RISE programs, the Readiness for Islander Success in Education. and that was really the first time outside of any sort of family event um, that we've had that I was around a large group of Pacific Islanders, like specifically Samoans and Tongans. Um, and I think that sort of opened my eyes um, a, li- a little bit uh, to, uh, there were layers there, I think, similar to Kira's. Um, that was what got me to be more involved, but I struggled with um, really being accepted in some of those groups. A lot of um, a lot of the Samoans and Tongans that I had gone to that I were uh, in school with um they were first generation as well but a lot of them it's like some of them had grown up on the islands all of them spoke the language mm-hmm. um uh so I you know I, I remember the first time meeting them she one of you know one of the one of the women looked at me and she was like uh you're not just someone are you and I was like oh I'm, my mom's white and she was like I'm sorry <laughs> So that me was too. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That made me feel worse. I can't help it. You're more used to that uncomfortability. Yeah. Mm. The uncomfortability of being the half white kid in mm. a brown space. Mm. When that, that switches on a dime. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's a lot of layers. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. other podcast, and I would love to do it. 
Because <laughs> I, I think that's a great one. Um, Sorry, so long no, Court, you had a question? Oh, I was actually wanted to flip it on y'all. So we had talked about basically us going into spaces that had more brown and black people. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like, I mean, kind of the case for y'all at Montana State and Bozeman, maybe not the case in Salem, Oregon. Right. So, <laughs> so, I don't know if I can touch you, but I've also been there a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> so for me... Yeah, I think for me, it's like it's it's multi-layered as well. I think I, I resonated a lot with you guys talking about um, adopting black culture because there was no modeling or representation of, of what S- Samoan or Polynesian culture was. Uh, there was an embracing. I think ours was opposite in terms of it was an embra- trying to show and embrace through that. Like you're different. We can't show you a move, a boys in the hood from the islands, but we can show you this to embrace being different. Um, and then I think it, at Willamette, for me as a player, I ended up being in, in a, I experienced Kira similar to what you're talking about my first couple years. Um, it was called the, I think it was called the Luau Club is how terrible it was. It was called the Luau Club here at Willamette. But there was a lot of um, folks from Hawaii, a lot of Asian, Kelly, help me here. How am I, how am I identifying these folks best? A lot of local, lot of local people. Well, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that are from yeah, and but there was a lot of judgment for me of me as the only half Samoan on campus that didn't know the dances, didn't know the language, uh, but they did because they grew up there. Even though I, I'm not going to get into all that, but I got mad, I got angry. But I, on the basketball team, as I got here and we progressed towards my senior year, the team got a lot more diverse, especially with with black players coming in, and I ended up being a leader there. But it wasn't really a, like uh, it wasn't the powerful Samoan awakening I think you guys experienced. It was just a a leadership role with all of us of color. Kip's in charge, um, and then in, in coaching, I, honestly, I don't think there was a critical lens for me looking at me, my life, my experiences until Lincoln was born. You know, I really started think, coming to grips with my own anxiety, and then deep diving into that, like where does this where does this come from? What is this ridiculous worry that I suddenly can't control? Oh, wait, you've had it your whole life. It's cool. You can look back forever. You, you've, Kane, Kane can attest that. Oh, that's a new thing. You just now figured that out. But that kind of started me down the journey of, you know, I should carry a mirror more often and, and look at myself. And then, in, you know, in general, um, using that as kind of the springboard. So definitely 27 and older Kip more able to have conversations like this than before. Before guy was just like points, rebounds, stats wins pretty shallow (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was i was fortunate um that i think there was a lot of stuff resonated with me as well as far as obviously being coming from billings montana being the lone pacific Islander family essentially and then going to you wouldn't think going to bozeman montana would would lend to being more diverse but the truth told it was the obviously within a football locker room uh, I was fortunate to where I walked into a, a pretty diverse situation, and, and specifically uh, with our head coach Mike Kramer. Uh, literally, I mean, that was his goal was to get as many Polynesians recruited within that first class as possible. And so I walked into a situation where, uh, as I said on a previous podcast, my my roommate uh, was from the island and, and went to school his senior year in LA, Artesia High School, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. And, um, and then he was in, his, he was my roommate and, yeah. uh, that was such an amazing experience because, uh, we utilized each other. 
because obviously here's a here's a kid coming from LA up to Bozeman, Montana, of all places, and just had come from the island, and so he utilized me in, in a way of which, how the hell do I get along in this place? Yeah. Uh, and and then I was able to utilize him as far as a resource of just learning the culture. Um, and, and again, I think our dad did a really good job of trying to teach us that as much as he could within his space that he could, but it was just still hard for us to really comprehend it as much as we would like to. And so I was always very curious. Um, and so Mateo was able to teach me quite a bit. And I had some other, uh, Willie Kofe, Tongan, who uh, was from the jump, man. I remember one of my first, like the second, second day I was there, um, well, I'm driving around in our Ford, white Ford Bronco that dad let me drive up to school. And so I'm driving I can't believe it made it that far. <laughs> OJ Mobile, man. And so it's, the, it's me driving. Uh, Willie's in the front seat. David Afu's in the back seat. Mateo's in the back seat. And it's us four rolling through Bozeman, picking up stuff and, and going to, from Walmart to Target. And, and um, just, it was fun to just, as you, as you had stated before and kind of your, your, as you guys recollected some of those moments where you're just looking around like, man, this is, this is kind of cool to not be the only person of color and to literally just be in a group and you just kind of blend in. Yeah. And, uh, and I was fortunate with all those te- all my teammates uh, over the course of my time there that, uh, you know, they saw me as this guy that could potentially bridge a gap for them as the person that could help them within the realm of where they were now. Uh, and then in turn, they were also to help me to fit in into a realm that I had not been a part of as far as just looking around a room and go, holy shit, nothing but Pacific Islanders in this room. Yeah. This is fucking cool. Yeah. The let's, That'll lead us into our second break. And then when we come back, I want to dive into this social change ecosystem. Cross the Streams podcast. Before we get back to the show, we want to encourage all of our listeners to seek out ways each of you can actively participate in dismantling systems of oppression and to avoid the comfort of silence. Cross the streams. We're back. Last segment with the cousins. Uh, Kay, I want you to kind of take the lead on introing this and kind of explaining its source and background. It's a, I think you shared, I don't know if it was original from you or a repost, but it was something that really caught my eye and it's labeled the social, uh, social change ecosystem. Is that right? So just you expand on that. And then I want us to go around and kind of self ID where, and what resonates from the descriptions with uh with, with with each of us but you you go ahead take t- take it away sure. um so i shared this an artist named mariba um who i really mess with like i i really like her music she shared this and it caught my attention because a lot of people there's a lot of talk of of defunding police departments going on right now and abolishing um police and people who are pro-police are really confused by that language. And they, mm-hmm. they think that the idea is that we all of a sudden just don't have police. And they're like, well, then how do we stay safe? And how do we function around here? What those people are not doing is one, using their imagination. And two, acknowledging that we put way too much responsibility on police officers. They are not trained for everything that they are called to handle. Um, and. So what this social change ecosystem does is it, it I, I think, at least what I got out of it, I didn't do deep research in this particular source, but what I got out of this was 
that we have particular language and ways that we frame our society right now. It's all constructed in a certain kind of way for each of us to find our role in it. Mm-hmm. And what is making it so difficult for people to understand a life without police is that they're stuck in these these frameworks and in these language in this language where it's like, well, if we don't have doctors, how do we help the sick people? And if we don't have teachers, how do we learn? Like they have these very particular words where like, how do we fit? So what I appreciated about this social change ecosystem post was that it gives us new language um, to 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 think about what is your what is your skill, what is your mm. passion, what is something that you can contribute to the people around you, to your community, and where could that fit in in a different sort of category than the ones that we're used to calling them. And these mm. ones are more in touch with indigenous language, mm-hmm. with the people how how indigenous communities and tribes and and things were surviving before colonizers came, right? So this is more that language, roles, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And how they would have played their roles. Yeah. After this, because it's like you know, if you're if you're thinking that way, just look at this, decide where is my passion lie, what am I good at, and I feel like pretty much this thing breaks down kind of anything that you could think of. Mm-hmm. Kind of and and then if it's not on here, the idea of this is like if it's not on here find it make yeah, it up that's like, it, like that's the point is like we're trying to break this stuff down and start a whole new so yeah. that's really what this was for i i really appreciated the share i shared it with our athletic department um cool. and I, I put it out to my team saying our next zoom open house will be you know self-iding we'll see what these 20 year olds come up with because i thought i had wrapped them in difficult conversations and then the world exploded and i found out there's a lot more work to do with them <laughs> yeah. opening their mouths shocking right <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, wait, Kip, you didn't coach him well? No way. Get the fuck out of here. Um, but, you know, as, as people carry, I don't know if you can, if you guys had a chance to look at it, but I, the one that really spoke to me right off the bat was the Weavers one, um, because I feel like as a coach, that's kind of my gig is drawing. Like, and Kay, I think you said it like it's the world isn't straight lines. It's not binary choices. Um, and so trying to show them whether it's a ball screen or whether it's what's happening right now with George Floyd and police brutality, showing the interconnectedness of all these events and things and history and them. And no, this does affect you when you're in your room and it's hot outside, but we're talking about Linfield, but this is happening on the news. This is why it's all connected. So the Weaver one really spoke to me. Um, and then the storyteller one, because I think that's kind of my job, but always, I've, I've, I've always contributed to spaces in probably too much sometimes just oh kip's still talking no way uh but i like i like i like trying to convey knowledge and importance through stories so those two as specific islanders we are storytellers Mm. we come that that is we are an oratory people we came from we did not have written language until the colonizers came through we pass our stories through language uh through like speaking through dance and through the tattoos on our bodies so it really is in your dna to to share and to tell. I got like goosebumps. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm in. I'm all in. And, and who who else? Well, what which one of these um that you guys feel passionate about or if kind of self ID'd and if there's multiple, I'm sure that's awesome. I mean whatever. Yeah. I think similarly to how intersectional my identity is, mm-hmm. um I probably have a lot of crossover in um where I see myself fitting, but I say probably i'd say predominantly between weavers frontline responders and builders Mm. Um, and that really being um because what i've what i've really seen as i've thought critically about um 
my career and what I've done up until this point and how I can better utilize who I've been and what I've done and all of the resources I've gathered and recognizing that part of my strength is really my ability to kind of organize and put pieces together. You know, like if I'm not the person who can do it, it turns out I know somebody who can and I know somebody who needs it done. She's so I'm going to go like this yeah. and I'm going to go like this. You mean like getting it. us all on this podcast today? Like you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah, for real. No, I, uh, I feel, um, it's already been said, I think storytelling is definitely, uh, I, I feel like as a writer, as, yeah, yeah, as a writer, a writer and a uh, performer, I think storytelling definitely. And I, and I, uh, will piggyback on what Clay was saying about builders, but I, I think something for me that I connected with on here was caregivers mm, because good. I recognize that <clears throat> uh, I recognize the part that I played in any in any scenario where I felt uh, where where people felt like comforted or or um, or connected, like that. I th I think that's a space that I can create for people to feel connected and joy and all those things. That's yeah. Awesome. You cared for. I care about you. Um, yeah, I think for me, uh, my role in our in like my type, like my personal space, would be a little bit different than my role out in the world or in the larger community. So yes. just, um, I mean, they would and they would be connected to each other, but I I think that in within out in the community, I'm more of a disruptor. Like from for as long as I could talk, I've been challenged. My existence is just like, it's been resistance. My existence is <laughs> around me. Yeah. Literally just for me going, why? Like, I'm, yes. I'm like the why kid. And you and people are like, why are you asking yeah. me? <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm definitely a disruptor. Uh, and I think that within our space, I'm more of a healer. Um, and mm. like, I'm yeah. Like, uh, yes, that, that's, not, I mean, that could be another conversation. But <laughs> awesome. And for me, I definitely identified with the weavers and the builders, uh, for sure, just because um, kind of Kelly and I have talked about this previously, and we've kind of talked about it as we're building our own company, um, is that we have a very uh, unique background in both like structure, corporate life. Uh, we're also creatives that allows us to have like the artistry and understanding. So we kind of have our, our, our hands and feet in so many different areas that it kind of allows us to see a bigger picture uh and work like within become visionaries yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like as a collective we're yeah. Yeah. visionaries yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. Just, to just be able to 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 go like to literally weave it in and out of all these different spaces and to be able to connect dots for people and to kind of just be like oh hey you, you and you should connect and and you know we we talk about it all the time because uh part of what started us talking about you know having our own company was the fact that like individual like independent artists aren't meant to be the managers of you know uh, they're not they're not it's supposed to have the wherewithal like they're supposed to just to be creative everything. to do everything yeah. right? to, to promote themselves yeah, exactly. <laughs> to promote themselves yeah. to get themselves gigs to do all those kinds of things and and we have kind of a very unique stance on that because you know we've had time in corporate white america we've uh been educated you know like in the way that it looks you know all four-year degrees and there's so many different layers to it but at the end of the day i mean close enough <laughs> i don't have that <laughs> like, really, you got what you needed out of it i said in general we had the privilege so so yeah. again it was, it's just a matter of being able to connect the dots see the bigger picture um and and then of course just being like storytellers like all of us can relate like being a creative person and and 
just finding other ways. Like people get, joke with me all the time that I'm like the best at metaphors. Oh, and it's because, her, it's her just, analogies are yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> conversations are being had that I feel like if even if it's just me having it with somebody because I feel like they need it like that mm-hmm. I need to do that you know and so yeah. for sure there um I mean I also am someone who I you I need you to take care of your stuff like I need you to take yeah. care of your shit but I am here for you I have a bleeding right. heart and I will do anything for the people that I love so I've seen it definitely seen it firsthand about you being an empath I've just because I, I, I've seen you you know as like like coach's wife I've seen you I've had the the awesomeness of being able to meet your family and see your dynamic <laughs> I love your family I I remember like telling them how much I adore your family <laughs> I've seen you in so many capacities and I absolutely see that for you where you're just like you okay you okay what can I help with okay. like, <laughs> yeah. you're you're really tuned in to everyone else and you like you can feel when things aren't settled, then I would absolutely appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, the weaver struck with me obviously as well, just that ability to find connections with multiple people, multiple groups and be able that to be that guy that can kind of bridge gaps, uh, between certain groups. You know, I, I think about just the conversation I had on Monday with, uh, my friends that were not willing to have those conversations until I made them have the conversation. And um, regardless of, they knew going into it that they weren't gonna agree necessarily with everything I had to say and vice versa because of their uh, law enforcement background and and really just their background in general, having really not having the experiences that um, we have had or I have had and, and so, but still being able to make sure that that conversation went well enough to where at the end of it, we're all, almost in tears and, and saying I love you and this, that, and this. And, yeah. and so I, I feel like for whatever reason, that's been something that I've been, um, it's just within me. And then also the guides one actually hit me as well. Nice. And I think that's probably the, the, you know, the coaching aspect of things as well. And, and um, so those are kind of the two things that hit me the most. Do you guys think there are pairings of these, whether it's in a person or in a group, like Calais, Court, you guys talking about collaborating? Are there pairings that work better? Like, hey, you got to have with a, like, I'm thinking about staffs, Kane, coaching staffs. Like, I can't have a coaching staff of all visionaries. That's awesome. We'll have so many good ideas and nothing will happen. <laughs> Um, so are there pairings of this or, or K, is there a deeper level of this that, you know, is, especially in what we're talking about creating sustainable difference and change, are there pairings of this or is it really a matter of, we need a community of all of them, buddy. That one. I think really the reason why they call it an ecosystem is because if you, if you want to sustain, if you really want to have every aspect of what you need as a human, like met and and cared for all encompassing, you will need 
somebody or people who who cover every aspect of these things these are all the essentials for a community i believe to to what's a visionary without a builder anyway right right Right? (laughs) absolutely uh before we wrap up this has been awesome and we're gonna break off the air and then i want to figure out how we do this more um final things you guys wanted to touch on for this first uh episode we're all together kane anything before we wrap it up Mm, nothing that comes to mind i think uh, again i I appreciate just the the fact that you're able to come on and and just be vulnerable on this thing and and, uh, that's what we wanted this podcast when we started this thing to be about is is for us to be able to uh, cross the streams essentially and, and now um, being able to get our family involved in this, I think, is and for us to be able to cross the streams like we've never actually been able to do, uh, I think, is is has been awesome and an unbelievable learning experience for me. I mean, uh, Kay, you hit it as far as just uh, for me to be able to just listen from to my daughter, uh, for me to actually just sit here and just listen to your experiences is like holy holy shit. Um, I wish, and, and there's part of me though that I'm sure Kip, you're feeling the same way to a certain extent. Where I wish I could have listened a long time ago, and I wish I would have known that uh, those experiences that you had, I, not that I was going to be able to help by any means, but maybe I could have. I don't know. Uh, but just to be able to listen earlier and, and to understand everything that you're going through, um, and because Kip and I had similarities, but not uh, to a certain extent. And that, that I just, like I said, it's it's been a hell of an experience to just be able to sit here and listen. And I want you guys to pub too before you leave. Pub all your projects, everything you're doing, everything you're working on. You know, and not that our platform is. You guys probably have more followers than us anyway. But pub it to the people <laughs> that um, that you know that are listening. And and I I, I really want to thank you because I think in the last month or all the stuff that's been popping off, I've really relied on a lot of your information sharing. So I, I, I respect the hell out of you guys for that. I respect the the content you put out there, um, and I've even learned a, a few tricks. The at repost, I love that. So I'm not I'm not stealing somebody. I'm not biting somebody's stuff that's not mine. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but uh, very impressed and, and very uh, always looking forward to what the next thing is you guys are doing. So go ahead, share. Where where what are we doing? What are we at? Uh, what's, what's next the, for the quartet? Yeah. Before that. There was one thing that I did want to cover that's relevant to this episode is that we did talk about um, being Samoan and being Pacific Islanders and in that being really uh, like clinging to the black culture, mm-hmm. uh, to hip hop, like all these things that, that we can identify so closely with. But what is very important to to distinguish, especially now, is that what is the most important of being Pacific Islander people who have been influenced so heavily by black culture is that we understand that we are not black. And that our experiences, every time I, I, I talk about the fact that like, yes, I love this music. Yes, I wear these clothes. Yes, I watch this movie. I understand that as much as I can relate to that, everything that I experience, I'm experiencing as a someone, as a light-skinned woman. And I and, and the most important part of that, where it's yes. like then any experience that I hear coming from, from a Black person who's telling me about their experience, even if it's something that I can relate to, I understand there is that extra layer of like, you will never know what it is to be dark-skinned. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Shout it from the back. Shout it from the back. <laughs> yeah. I want to actually acknowledge that. And like, yes. when people want to yes. talk about cultural appropriation and things like that, yeah. Islanders can do that. We experience that heavily yeah. with like tiki culture and wows and things like that. But we also can do that in in adopting black culture and not acknowledging that that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. So where, where we avoid being appropriators of culture is that we acknowledge and recognize where we got it 
and we don't try to take that shit for our own or say that we came up with it or anything like that. Yes. We we know the difference and we know that our experiences will, will not never mm-hmm. be the same. So good. So well said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was just, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to follow that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was for the segment. Yeah. Now, now be plugged. Now be plugged. <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> Kira, what, what, what's going on? What's what's the, what's next for you? You said you're oh, in a new uh, space, a, a brand new beginning. What's up? <laughs> yeah, that's such a that's a loaded answer. <laughs> but in terms of what we're doing um, right now, we're we're finishing up uh, musically. We're finishing up the EP. Uh, my EP, Misfit, and um, I also have a, a couple other songs that I'll I'll put out. I, I have been putting music out on SoundCloud as well, which I think is not a platform. People, I mean, y- y'all maybe know you're on SoundCloud too. SoundCloud is not the most popular. Um, the easiest the easiest it's not the yeah, easiest so the most accessible. Yeah, yeah yeah so i i've been putting music out on there and then have the ev coming out um and then you have one song on spotify yeah i do i do have a song on spotify right now it's called all day get out let's go where you look up all day kiri 1a and you will find it there it is, and there it is. there's my face and clay did the, the cover art so there's that um so yeah and then do you want to talk about oh anything else we're doing no i'm talking about anything else we're doing. Just pull you on in yeah before you want to stuff and yeah Who are willing to go? Um, excuse me. We should probably talk about this, right? Yeah. 
if you're a person running that, it would be like if that goes through, would be a person who I worked with in Long Beach State and oh, has okay. continued heavy work in the QTPSC community. Yeah. Yeah. So got that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all of that information is coming out soon. These conversations also happen like these don't stop. We're here mm-hmm. talking on uh, like for this podcast and on the Zoom and because this is how we talk all the time. We're doing reading, yeah. reading Angela Davis, Tennessee Coates. Like yeah. we're really getting into like listening to revolutionary voices right now and just constantly talking about stuff that matters to us mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and that matters to our community. And so that's really where we're at and how we integrate that into everything that we're doing. How do mm-hmm. I integrate, you know, raising the community into my making my music? You know, yeah, it's like, right. you know, like doing all of these things where using our passions and our skills to to move forward the revolution. Well, I think the, the yeah. passion is palpable even through virtual space. You know, I think you can you yeah. can feel that from you guys. And I think that shows and everything you're putting out so i you know you never needed my stamp of approval anyway but i'm damn proud of what you guys are doing um, let's uh, give us a book give us a book uh, uh, something that uh, you feel right now is like hey this would be awesome for for our listeners to, to dive into and the one that we're currently reading we're currently reading angela davis freedom is a constant struggle ferguson palestine and the foundations of movement talk about connectivity it's talking about, oh, you know, just in the beginning, it's Weavers. talking about the connection. Weavers, weaving yeah, yeah, yeah. in between the, the oppression in one part of the world to the oppression in another part of the world and how they're all connected. Mm-hmm. And how you can learn from it and and essentially move your own movement forward. Yes. Recognizing mm-hmm. how we can work together to really accomplish these things. Mm-hmm. Angela right. Davis, that's just a really solid name and voice to just be in, in general, yeah. Like, general, yeah. She's, she's done a lot of work in um in black activism and prison abolition. Yep. And so talking about abolition, he was uh, right. one of the, the top like listed in the like FBI's like, was the enemy of the state at one point, yeah. yes, just because she was who she was, yeah. and went in and defended herself. And, and yeah, no, she's she's big time, no question. Look at you all red up, coach. <laughs> hey, I love it. Yourself, I love I, it. Hey, Coach came to uh, Coach came to to Willamette last year. We were lucky enough to get Coats on campus, so we took the day off from wow. practice. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. So, wait, hey, uh, thank you guys. We will continue talking off air, but uh, awesome. Loved having you on. Cross the streams. Thanks for having us. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.